Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca Lee Robertson, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers about, well, how the fuck they got so confident. This week, I Skype with musician, songwriter, artist, and lead vocalist for The Kills and the Deadweather, Allison Mosshart. We chat about the connection between vulnerability and confidence, the importance of always learning, transcendental meditation, and we coin the phrase, they don't fucking know either. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident with guest Allison Mosshart. Hey, Allison. Hi, Rebecca. How's it going? <laughs> Good. How's your quarantine life? My quarantine life is kind of awesome. I mean, I like it. You I'm do. waiting to, to run out of liking it, but so far I've been so busy the entire time, you know. I feel very thankful to not be raising children right now and, you know, not have like a, an office job or have a thing like that where my whole life has really been turned upside down because it really hasn't been turned upside down. Yeah. I feel like a lot of my friends who have kids are like, I don't know what to, like, whether it's one kid, I think my, the friend that has the most kids is only two. I can't imagine having more than two. I mean, I don't even have any animals to take care of. So it's like, I really have a lot of freedom and yeah. have no one to like be responsible for during this time. Um, yeah. So, but they're like, I don't even, they're like go, a little bit going crazy. Like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with this creature. I think everyone's going crazy, but it's the different crazy. Like I can definitely tell from my friends that have kids, they're just like desperate to swap with me. Yeah. And then, but also I'm like, well, I haven't like seen a human being in a hundred years. But then I keep filling my days with like Pilates classes and shit to do. And I find that I'm so busy and so fucking social. What the hell? I'm never this social. More than you normally are? Talking to everybody all the time. Three hour conversations like I'm in junior high. I'm like, you know. No, you hang up first. No, you but, hang up no, first. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's just like watch this and not talk. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's. Really reverting back to um, landline days when you had to ask if you could use the phone yeah. and, you know, and you'd sneak into your room and talk for three hours about bullshit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fine. Are you, like, doing art and stuff to stay busy, or is it mostly, your day's mostly Pilates? I am doing a lot of art. I'm working okay. on songs. I'm doing music. I've been, I've taught myself in the past month how to make music videos. Rad. That's been really cool, like learning that software. First, I learned iMovie and wanted to smash my computer in 2,000 pieces. I use iMovie, too. And then I realized very early all the limitations of iMovie and that there are many. There's so many that I did two music videos on iMovie and then um, gave myself the gift of Final Cut Pro, which is fucking awesome. I, I just need to do it. Like, I, <laughs> it I'm still so working on it. iMovie. Don't even delay a day. Okay, just you think? Get it. Just get it. Because I've been working on iMovie too, and I'm just like, it takes so. I think I'm like, there has to be a shorter way to do this. There, yeah, there's not. So, but there's not. But there is. There is on Final Cut Pro. You yeah. know how many times I watched. I never do this, but this quarantine is also giving me this thing where I have this patience of a saint to like actually watch those tutorials on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know how annoying those people are. Yeah. I mean, what is that? That's like a group of people, yeah. certain type of personality that makes these things. Uh. I've never been able to get through more than like 45 seconds before yeah. I'm like, ah! Yeah. So uh, I've watched so many of those. All about, about Final Cut? Movie. No, about iMovie. Oh. 
And it was like every single thing I was trying to do, the answer was always no. It was always no, no, you can't do that. And in Final Cut Pro, I haven't had to watch a single tutorial. Everything that I want to do, I can figure out how to do on that. Oh, so it's like very user friendly. The answer is always yes. Yeah. I just need to get it. <laughs> I just need to get it. Yeah, it's really great. And you know what? It's still one of those programs you can buy just for a flat rate. You don't have to get a subscription. So that's really nice. It's like 350 or something? 300. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just need to do it. It'll make life a lot easier. Um, well, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm here just selling software. So <laughs> I know. Do you? Did you get a new job? Do you work for Final Cut now? Well, I guess my first question is: Do you consider yourself a confident person? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think that's a really hard thing to say. I don't think. I, does anyone feel? that they're a really confident person. Like the people that I think are really confident are actually really intelligent, but, and because of that, really vulnerable, you know, mm -hmm. like people that can kind of like lead a crowd and, and be a leader usually have a side where that, you know, you're constantly checking yourself. I think it's the healthiest thing is to not be overly confident. Mm -hmm. Confidence has to do with being able to be confidently let other ideas in and confidently let other people's emotions in and being able to listen. So when you think of confidence, you think of like vulnerability and working I well think with a, others? I think, yeah, working well with others is a big one. You know, having the mental capacity to leave room for other people. You know, some people would think, oh, that person's too confident. That's not a good, like, that's not being able to listen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. you know? Do you consider yourself <laughs> that, as someone who can be vulnerable and, and work well with others and listen and... I love working with other people a lot. I think that there's so much to gain from that. There's so much to learn from that. And I love learning. You know, I love learning anything. So um, if I was so confident and I think I knew everything, I wouldn't learn fucking anything. Right. You know? Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't work well with others because who wants to work with someone like that? Totally. Unless you literally have zero ideas and you just want to be around you know? Yeah, that's sort of been one of the through lines in talking to different people is like this like group think, this like ability to to operate in a group environment um, and like yeah. thrive in it. And a lot of people are like, I prefer it. And I like I love having that support system of other people, um, which I guess I didn't necessarily think about before when I was like thinking about confidence. I don't think I ever thought like, oh, being in a group, working well in a group helps you with that. I always thought of it as like... It does. Being able to listen and to, and to um, you know, hear other people is, is the same quality as being able to speak and be heard. You know? Yeah. If you give other people room, then you also give yourself that room too. Or, you know, ultimately that's what you'd hope you were doing. Right. You know? How does this help with like, with like a stage presence... That's a really crazy one because I wouldn't say I would, I, I'd say like the scare and most fearful I ever am is right before I go on stage. You know, that's like the scariest, most adrenaline inducing situation. Yeah. Um, so, but that's the most exciting part to me. It's like, I love that feeling of I'm almost going to be sick. I'm so freaked out. 
concerned that I'm not going to be able to do my job, you know, yeah. for some reason, um, that I, it excites me to no end. Like I get addicted to that horrible feeling. And, um, and then, you know, and also the other feeling of like walking out there and literally the second my foot hits that stage, it's like that whole feeling vanishes. It's just gone. It's like I, t I, my, I like kick into some other gear that I almost feel like I'm not even in control of. Um, have you ever felt like you couldn't go on stage? Yeah, every single time. And you just push through? Absolutely. How, where do you, I, go ahead. I'm, I'm just really excited to prove myself wrong. It's like, there's no way out of it. I'm never gonna, there's another part of me that's like, I'm never gonna let anybody down. I mean, if there's a bunch of people waiting for me to go on stage, I'm not, it doesn't matter how fucked I am, how sick I am, how scared I am, how whatever the hell is going on I am. There's no way I'm not going to either just go out there and try. I mean, failing is not as terrifying to me as, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like, my very first shows as a kid, I was so socially... I mean, I never even spoke. I was so shy. I was just such a shy kid. I was going to ask that, yeah. And it's only literally like in my late 20s did I really start to speak. It was like I just never spoke before then. Mm. Um, but I remember like being 13 or something at a junior high school uh, talent show <laughs> and it was in like the cafeteria and I put together this band with some boys that I skateboarded with and we were going to go do play three songs, like three covers or something. No, actually I think they were our songs. And, um, and I remember just like feeling like I was going to die. There was no way I could do it. And I don't know when I went out there and played, I really, um, I don't know if I even looked at the audience. I don't really know. I took my shoes off and I was sliding around on the stage in my socks. And, but I just remember thinking like I'm my most comfortable self right now. I feel so comfortable here. Like or I don't feel comfortable like in the audience. I don't feel comfortable like on the side of the stage about to go on. I don't feel comfortable like on my way here in the car, but I feel totally fine right now. That's so interesting. And I remember like first starting playing shows all the time in the first like three or four, I would literally sing from behind a guitar amplifier. I remember my first rehearsals. I would take, everyone would be rehearsing in the garage and I would take the mic and take it under the door of, of like the garage into the house, into a bedroom, take the mic cable all the way through the house, lock the bedroom door and sing from there. I couldn't even fucking hear what those guys were playing. And I thought this was a better solution to my shyness, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously I got over that. And what you made know. you, like, keep going? Just your love of this art? Yeah, because I just loved it so much. Yeah. I mean, I th think people probably thought I was, like, um, hating it. You know what I mean? Right. But it, it was the opposite. It was, like, I loved it, so I kept doing it, even though it was, like, it was just, like, shaking me to my core to overcome that. Um, what was your, like, family dynamic growing up? I talked to a lot of people doing this some people are like oh my parents did instill this sense of like you can do anything and other people were like no I mean my parents never really said that to me um did you have like a strong support system at home 
Um, it's really hard for me to, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I had a really strong support system for art from, you know, visual art from my mother because she was, uh, she was a high school art teacher when I was little Mm -hmm. and she would always give me those things to work with and play with. And that's kind of how she kept me busy. And she was definitely encouraging. She's a teacher, you know? Um, so I definitely had that. I think the music thing really threw my parents for a loop. There's not really any musical people in my family and, um, And they were encouraging in a way that was kind of hilarious where, you know, at one point they were like, you have to play an instrument. And so I was really into music, but not that kind of like, I was like writing poems, you know, and singing them just to know music. Mm -hmm. That's what I was always doing. And I think that they're always trying to like get me to like, just like they made me do every single sport. And I hated sports. I absolutely hated them all. I didn't want to be outside. I didn't like any of it. I didn't like group sports. I didn't like the sun. I didn't like sweating. I certainly didn't like running. Um, (laughs) But they made me, they forced me to do tennis, soccer, little league. I was the only girl in little league. That was comfortable. Um, (laughs) Swim team, like gymnastics was the one I loved. Actually, I loved that. But, uh, you know, but they made me do all these things. And I was just, it just made me more and more aggro. Like, I couldn't have been more vocal about how much I hated it. And then the next step was you have to play an instrument. So just to be annoying, I wasn't even interested. I said, okay, I'll play the drums. So they had to buy me a drum kit and it was in my bedroom. And I just like made so much fucking noise. And then, but I was like, but I'm not really even that into the drum. They made me take drum lessons but the guy that I took drum lessons from was like, Teaching them out of a trailer in Florida in a trailer park. He was definitely constantly on meth. No doubt in my mind looking back now, the guy made me cry every time I went there. He was just a mentalist. And my mom sat in the living room of that trailer and waited for that horrible hellish hour of me just getting yelled at for not knowing my rudiments or knowing them but not being able to play them fast enough or whatever the fuck. I don't know. But... Then they made me be in symphonic band in high school and marching band in junior high. Now, for a kid that likes punk music and hates sports, let me tell you, this is like, it's like true torture. I can see little Allison in this situation. A polyester long sleeve jacket and pants up to like the middle of my waist with a fucking drum strap to my back, walking in a football field. And I was so against, like, football games. Are you kidding? Like, football games, cheerleaders, jocks, any of that. I mean, I was, like, completely this, like, weirdo little art kid who didn't speak. And this was, I mean, you couldn't couldn't possibly torture me more. Right. So when you ask, were my parents supportive? Uh, I would say they just, I don't know, they were doing their best. (laughs) It was all upside down, you know? Well, do you think any of that stuff, like, helped you in being, like, the person you are today in terms of, like, persevering or being, like, rebellious or none of it? Well, persevering, no, because I quit all of those things, (laughs) like, quite dramatically, you know? Yeah. Um, But, you know, I've always always been persevering with anything that I actually like. Yeah. Something that I love, I don't ever stop doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was so crazy to try to fit 
that around this insane schedule that my parents were creating for me. Like, all I wanted to do was draw pictures, skateboard, and play in a punk band. You know, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, it was hard, you know, with that schedule that they had me in. But um, I wonder if they were, like, trying to keep you from getting in trouble or... That would be a really great point, except for that I never got in trouble. I was a straight-A student. I was I was so good. I never got in any trouble. I mean, I just had no reason to, yeah. you know? My, my favorite, I would love to just, like, lock my bedroom door and just work and write. I would just write for, like, eight hours straight, never finding that boring. You're and a really hard worker, I've noticed. I just get really obsessed. I go into like a rabbit hole and I don't come out and I'm very happy there, you know, yeah. which is probably like quarantine is like, well, what's the difference yeah. really? It's, it's kind of my ideal state, but, um, you know, I always felt like I was working on some great thing and no one could see it. I mean, my drawers, everything was hidden. I was just, I don't know. And that, that kind of, t- I don't know, like the, in answer of like, when I remember first asking to go on tour when I was 14 and the answer was a hard no, but I understand that from a parent's perspective, I was a 14 year old girl going on tour in a shitty van with four guys that were older than me, you know, driving around the country. Like that's not your parents dream. So, but I was really like, no, I'm doing it. The tour is booked. I'm going, you know, and I did. And they eventually gave in, and um, and that was kind of just that was the beginning of like I'm just still doing that, you know. I never stopped doing that from that point. I knew that's what I wanted to do, and um, and to appease them, like I and I also love school, so I kept going to school. But I would start doing like a semester at a time, and then going on tour and a semester and a tour and like that for forever until I kind of dropped out of college halfway through because it was just getting to to be too much yeah but yeah so I don't know and then you know at, and then there was a point where I think that they saw that it was working out for me in a respect like I was taking care of myself just fine and so at that point they were supportive I mean I don't think any of it is like illogical how they behaved or what they wanted for me but um you know I think that they had to throw their hands up at some point because I wasn't going to stop doing it right at what point did you or did you ever feel like a disconnect between the art and like the business side of music? Like, were you ever told no? Because I know as an actor, you know, we have to audition and we're told no all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever experience? I don't really know much about the music side of things. Do you, do you did you ever experience no a lot? I think you experience no in a different way. You know, you experience no all of the time by not being asked to do things or being stuck in the same venue forever and not being able to get to a bigger one or, mm. you know, not being able to do certain things or uh, having certain budgets for this or that, whereas you see your peers have like three times the money or something like that, yeah. you know. Um, no is just different. But it really is self-employment if you're in a band. It's like the only no, no you're going to get is from your bandmate who says, no, I don't want to do that song or no, I don't want to do this anymore. or No, I don't want to play that show, you know. So it's really happening between your gang. It's not so much. Uh, I haven't had a situation where I've been like, I want to put a record out and the record label has said no. Usually it's the other way around where the record label is like, where's the record? And you're like, no, it's not done yet. <laughs> but 
<laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, it, it's just a different, it's a different thing. You know, I'm not hopping into someone else's story. I understand that from an actor's perspective where they're looking for a certain thing to tell a story the way they want to tell it. And, right. um, so I, I get that cause you guys are putting on different personalities and that's, you know, that's a really certain type of thing. It's, it's definitely a different thing with music. Yeah. You're kind of always representing yourself in a, in a weird way. So if someone says no, they're just saying no to you as you. And it's sort of like, fuck. Yeah. Okay. How have you, or has anything happened that has like shook you in terms of like your confidence? Yeah. I think relationships consistently shake me of my confidence, yeah. you know, I think, you know, getting along with other people or having long relationships or deep relationships or the breaking down of those or the failure of those is one of the things that can shake my confidence the most because you can't control other people. You know, you can't, you can control your own craft. You can control what you create, but you can't control what someone else thinks of you or what they want, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, so it's really hard knowing that it's still for some reason, very hard not to take a lot of personal relationship stuff really personal, you know? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, of course they're the most, it's the most personal there. I don't know that there's anything more personal than that. If you are like truly being vulnerable and like opening yourself up to another human being. Yeah. So, yeah. So then like, how do you, how do you come back from that? Like, do you do things like, I know you do Pilates, like does Pilates help you in those times? Like what helps you in those times? Writing, it sounds like, making art. I think um, time helps. You know, you can go and do all your things that you know are healthy for you, but time is really the key and new experience and getting further and further away from the memory, you know? Yeah gathering strength and momentum, um, is that it's like, you cannot flick a switch. You cannot go to a therapist and it just go away. You can't be hypnotized out of something. You can't, you got to just fucking deal with it and feel the pain. That's what you have to do. And eventually the pain becomes less and eventually the clarity becomes more. And those things just have a natural evolution. There's no magic potion. So like grit is grit a word that you would use for that? Um, I don't know, you know, I, everybody would like to think that they're tough in those situations yeah. to have grip, but it's like, you only have what you have to work with. And when you're fucking slayed, yeah. you are like anyone else, just like a, a pile on the floor and you have to figure out how to get back up again. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I, I can't recall within myself or any of my friends, um, who've gone through, kind of relationship devastations that they've just like snapped their fingers and been like, what if something else will come, mm -hmm. you know, we can all act like it's going to be okay. And everyone can give each other advice. Like, trust me, this will pass. But in the moment it does sure doesn't feel like it will. Mm -hmm. When you tell me that like you were like on tour at 14, like that, yeah. those experience, like those experiences have to make you stronger, braver, more confident because they're all like such new experiences. And I'm sure you had some negative ones in addition to like the positive ones. Um, the negative ones are the most powerful, you know, that's when you really learn something. 
And I think, but, but yeah, if you, the more you see the world, the more you embed yourself in other cultures, the more people you meet, the more experiences you have. Um, again, that comes down to like learning. The more you have in your back pocket, it's, I don't think of it as confidence because it's normal to me, but I know when I'm talking to someone who hasn't done those kinds of things, mm-hmm. that their, their perspective that can be, can be limited. It's like when someone talks to me about having a family and being home and doing all of that, my perspective is very limited. I look at them like there's so much to learn because I don't understand what it's like to be home all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't understand what it's like to raise a family or those feelings or that kind of responsibility or just that, like having that support system. That's, that's like that, you know, Yeah. that's not something that I know too much about and I can observe and watch and, and, you know, think I might understand some of it, but, yeah. um, you know, just like someone says, well, what is it like to like be in all these, a different country every day? It's like, well, it's, it's totally crazy, but then it's totally normal to me. Right. So, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, normal life is dazzling to me. I'm not saying that I want that. I think it might be too late, you know, but I, but I don't, but I never wanted that. I never dreamt of that the way other people I know have. And they've they've created that for themselves because that's what's felt right to them. Um, I never thought about that. You know, I thought about other things. I, I was obsessed with other things. And so those things are what I followed, you know, or what I made happen. And, um, but yeah, it takes all kinds. So I don't think one is more equipped than the other. I think you just have different tools. Yeah. Do you remember any like negative experience that you that you that you needed to have that you learned something from? Um I mean, there's been a lot. <laughs> I don't even know. Like yeah. pertaining to what? I mean, y- your I remember dealer's just, choice. Your choice. Yeah, uh Uh, That's really hard. I mean, one thing, when I started to get into like the visual art world and start doing gallery shows and stuff, I had a terrible first experience. And uh, the art gallery that I worked with ended up stealing a lot of paintings from me and a lot of money. Holy shit. And I had spent so much money. It's so expensive to frame and ship artwork. It's just extraordinary. It's like blows my mind anytime any artist can do a show because... It costs so much money to do a show. Um, and and then at the end of having put in all this money, you're just kind of going into this like 50-50 deal with an art gallery, right? They're like, if you sell something, they get 50% and you get 50%. But you have all of these expenses. Not only have you painted all the work and bought all the supplies, but then you've stretched all the canvases, gotten them all framed, shipped them from one side of the country to the other. And at the end, you really don't make any money. So... That's a really shitty scenario. Yeah. It's bad. And it's bad unless you're selling art for a million dollars. Right. You know. Um, Otherwise, if you're selling art for a couple thousand dollars, trust me, that artist, it might sound expensive to the person walking into the gallery, but the artist isn't really going to see any of it. Wow. And so that... That was a learning curve for me because that art gallery, not only did I spend all that money, but then, you know, I lost a majority of my art and all the money that I made or would have made that would have like not even covered what I'd spent. And so I really got down and I really just, I felt so burned by that experience. And as 
what a beautiful, positive thing to have. I mean, I had an art show in Chelsea in New York. It was my first art show, like way to start at the fucking top, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but then I was just crushed and, and I'm still pissed off about it. And it happened like probably eight years ago. Mm -hmm. you know? well, so since then I've been incredibly guarded and I, careful and safe in a way because that world is like the wild west compared to music I and mean, music is also the wild west i mean i had a i my first band ended up signing this deal with our three or four records that we'd done with this this company in california who ended up selling their record label to this total asshole who still owns all the rights to this music um thankfully i think i'm thankful every day that that music wasn't popular you know so that I don't have to think like, oh my God, I'm just losing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year to this asshole mm -hmm. who's just held all of my music hostage. Um, but that was a terrible situation. And that is part and partial to being young, unprotected, not lawyered up, not knowing, yeah. you know, trusting somebody and thinking that they're doing it for the right reasons when in fact they're just out to screw you and you and numerous other people. Um, I don't know how you, the only way you get over that is by making way better decisions the next time and learning and assuming, unfortunately, this is a shitty thing, assuming that this could happen in any case ever with anything you do. Yeah. And I think you got to get over that thing when you're young about like, I don't want to appear untrusting. I want this to be cool. It's like friendship, you know, we're never going to not like each other. Um, that's a beautiful thing, but that is not certainly not America, yeah. <laughs> you know, like protecting yourself is loving yourself and loving the person you're working with. Let them protect themselves too and do it in a way that is fair. It's like getting married. You know what I mean? Or anything where, well, if this doesn't work out, you just get everything I've ever done on my whole, I mean, so it's, it's like that. And when you start to learn that as you're dealing with business and things get bigger and bigger or just more complex, um, protecting yourself is the only way to do it. And it's a lot of fucking work to do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's really fun to just make something and put it out there in the world and just hope that everything will be okay with totally. this. But, um, it won't be. And I think it's especially hard with artists because like we do have that urge to make things and like maybe Constantly. that, that like thought of like, oh, I have to protect this is probably not the first thing that we're thinking of. We're thinking well, of Well, it's like not. And that's why we're taken advantage of. Totally. So because there's this whole other class of people who do not think like artists. They think like businessmen. Yes. So they're like, these people are so easy to, to you know, fuck over because yeah. they're like already like six projects gone by the time, you know, you're ever going to even look back. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's just being cautious and... um it's complicated. And still to this day, I find it complicated. And still to this day, you know, I find myself walking into a studio and singing on someone's record before a contract is done. And I'm taking that chance every time. Yeah. And it's like, I have to be better at that. I've gotten better at it. But still, there is that nature in me that just is wants to work and wants to be creative and doesn't, you know, Ditto. Um, the art stuff, though, that's where I'm like, all right, that I can that I can control. I can control that better now. And have you done shows since that show? I've done a lot of shows that's, since that show. That's good. In fact, I did that show almost again. So everything I got back from that show, um, I did 
in LA like six years later and and I sold mostly all of it, which was great. So in retrospect, it made up for itself because at that point the prices were like even more. So I was like, right. oh God, this is like, you know, I mean, it was a gift to be able to do that. Um, but, but still it's, I'm still fucked from it. It's just like, I, and I, I've done, I've done lots of other ones and it's gone, it's gone. I mean, it's been a more fair, you know, yeah. transaction. I didn't realize I'm, that the art world, the visual art world was like that. Hmm. I just don't know much about, I don't know much about like buying art and selling yeah. art, you know? How do you, yeah, it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, how do you stay vulnerable in the face of protecting yourself? Because like as an artist, you still want to give that part of yourself to whatever art you're making. But then at the same time, now you have a new element of like this guard, this protection. Um, um, I don't know. I have a total... Like there's a, there's a line in my brain. It's like, if I'm in business and I'm doing that stuff, I'm doing that stuff. When I'm creative, I do not think about those other things. Yeah. It's just gone. Like it's, it's that same thing of like walking on stage and it's like your whole entire real life does not exist in this moment. You are like free and being something on some other plane, Yeah, you know? And when you're writing a song, you're painting a painting. These are the last things I would think about. I'm not thinking about that. When that painting is done and, and um, someone's interested in that painting, it's the first thing I think about, you know, but there's a time and a place for those things. It's like um, being creative, though, is still, it's just a magical place. I mean, I did feel after that show in New York that I didn't want to do another one. Yeah. You know, but I certainly kept on painting every day. What made you eventually do another one? I'd always painted, so and I'd never even thought to do a show. Then I do a show. Then like the show, I'm like just so pissed off about that. But it didn't make me not want to do art. It just made me not want to have shows. Yeah. <laughs> For, you know, and then I gradually like developed relationships that I, um, were more trusted and mm. contracts that were more binding and things like that. And then I felt comfortable to re-engage in that way. Have you ever gotten a critique that? Or do you ever let critiques affect the art that you make? I try not to. You know, I don't know why I, I I have a lot of a lot of my peers read their reviews, you know. And for some reason, since the dawn of time, I have never read mine. Nor do I read any interviews I've done because I have I'm like, I was there. I said those things. I don't need to read it. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same as if I play a show or I do a record. I have the same exact thing where I'm like, I was there. I recorded that. I was there. I played that show. So unless somebody is like drawing my attention to something that's so fucking awesome or so crazy that I need to read it, um, I try to stay away from it because I don't really want the effect of it. Yeah. You know? I don't need to feel better than I do about it already or worse than I do about it already. Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I know if an interview is bad. I know if a gig was bad. I know if a song is bad. I already know. I, you know, I hope that nobody notices. There'll definitely be a whole bunch of people that just don't fucking notice. Yeah. P.S. or that never read it or listen to it. So, you know, I'd rather be going forward and I realize that you know, bad reviews are always written and show her good ones. And you can't just go and read your good ones because it'll make you feel better because you'll have no perspective. <laughs> it's like, 
So I don't, I don't, I just try to stay away from it. Um, stuff that I do learn things from is like photo shoots and stuff like that visually. Like if so, so I'm like, okay, all right, that was weird. Like I shouldn't do, I mean, that stuff I'll definitely judge because it's sort of like an image. Um, and I have a different way of kind of thinking about that, but yeah, I don't know. I try not to try not to do it because I see how much it fucking messes people up. Right. Like my friends get so upset and I find myself spending so many hours like talking to people about how they're feeling about that review that I think, Oh my God, there's not enough room in the world for me to read my own and have this problem too. <laughs> totally. How I'm interested in how, and what advice you would give to me if I was auditioning for something and someone didn't like it, like, how do you, I'm finding it, I'm finding in my personal art that it is a balance between doing how, doing it the way I want to do it and doing it the way someone else wants to do it. Because it's, it's either me going, okay, I'll do whatever you want. Oh, what do you want to do? I'll do, okay, I'll do that. And then mm-hmm. the flip side, sometimes I'll be like, fuck you. I'm not at all going to do that. But then it's like, I'm not directable, you know, if I have that attitude. So I'm yeah. like, how do I find a balance between that? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. The couple of times that I've acted in things, it's been, if I have no idea what I want to do, I'm very much like, will someone tell me what you want? I want to know what you want. Because then there's a challenge of me trying to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Like, how the hell do you want this to be? I want to know, you know? And if that person doesn't have any idea, well, then that's a whole nother fun job of trying to figure out what I want it to be. And that's a different job. Yeah. You know? And so I suppose, I don't know what it's like, what situations you've been in exactly with that. I think if I were to do an audition and I thought I did a really great job and I didn't get it, I would be okay with that. If I did an audition and I thought I did a really stupid job or like I didn't really like what I did and I got it, I would be really confused, you know? Like, I would be like, oh, God, but that means I have to do that more, and I don't want to do that more. This is not a good scenario, you know? Yeah. Or, like, there's so many different ways of looking at it. It's kind of like, you know if you did a good job. That, you do, you know? And that is often enough for me if that person doesn't want what I'm doing. Right. I know that somebody will, or I know that that will work somewhere else. That's like a, that's like a really great mentality to have. I'm, I'm assuming that is cultivated through mu- Like, has anybody in music ever been like, we don't want this thing that you're offering? Yeah. And you just are like, okay, like, all right, somebody, yeah. somebody's interested. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. How do you get to that place where you're because like, you can't where you don't ever- take it personally? Because you can't, and again, like I said, you can't control other people. It's like other people have visions and they want certain things. And there's been a lot of times where someone's like, oh, we would really like to use this song. Or could you sing this song for us, like a cover for something? Like say it's something and I'll do like a version of it Yeah. and send it back, you know? And the first will be like, oh yeah, we really like it, but could you do it a little bit more like this? This is where music becomes like acting. Yes. This is where it's quite fun to take on characters and be like, you want it to be sung like really angrily. You want it to be sung really sweet and soft or like, you know, you want it to be like this kind of style or this vibe or this feeling. And you really have to dig deep to find that character, you know? Yeah. I also know that people don't often even know what they want. Say they want, they want this crazy rock and roll chick vibe. 
And then they get it and they put it against the film or the thing or whatever they're working on. They're like, oh, shit, that doesn't work. Yeah. Now, I've just worked on that for like 10 hours for you. And you're like, oh, can we have it more like, you know, and eventually it just might not work out. Eventually they realize that's not even the song they want. They want a totally different song. And they're just, they're like figuring it out at the same time as you often. People that you're auditioning for aren't the confident leaders that you think they are. Yeah. They're also artists trying to figure out what they want and what will happen, you know, totally. what they want. So I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like nothing is in stone until it is. Yeah. And so even their decisions and what they actually want. And you're just part of that process, you know. So Yeah. It's taken a long time to understand that and like not take it not take it so personally because like you want to be able to do everything and do every part and but like yeah. everyone's just trying to figure it out you know yeah yeah I think that's yeah. important to remember how has like because I know you started meditating or doing TM recently how mm-hmm. has that affected your life well I think it's great for me I feel like it's uh I love it because it's quite psychedelic for me it's really great for ideas I've started to do this thing. I don't even know, man. The last sort of week, like when I'm meditating, I'm sitting at my desk and like I will like grab a pen and write with my eyes closed. I have something like it'll be like two words or a title or something. But like I can't I'm like jumping in and out where I'm like getting ideas and I'm like reading whole paragraphs. I'm writing paragraphs in my mind in a in a meditation. And I'm like, there should be a fucking record button. I know. know. can I put like some patches on the side of my brain and just record these brainwaves? Cause they're so interesting to me. I'm getting ideas that are, <clears throat> they're different, you know, they're really different. And I think it's the times right now. I think TM often mimics like meditation mimics what's going on in the world in your life. So, you know, if you're tired or if you're sick or if the world is a huge, big stress, or there's a pandemic going on, or like, you know, you're worried about a job or whatever it is. It's like, it always has this way of like having a different shape for that, whatever is going on externally and, um, or internally. So it's, um, I find it absolutely fascinating. I find it fascinating that I've been doing it for maybe six or seven months and it's changed. It changes all the time. What's going on, how, how it looks, how it feels. Um, but I know that it's good for me. So I like that. It's like one of those few things that in Pilates where I'm like, this is just my time out from my normal full fucking jet fuel madness, you know? Yeah. It's great. And you like, do you feel like you need that in order to like function Pilates and TM? Um, I never thought I needed TM before I had that total mental break after getting hypnotized. I mean, that was, I oh, got yeah. hypnotized. To Will you speak smoking. on that a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's so hard for me to even put into words because it was the weirdest um, yeah, brain remember, disconnect. I remember when, that, when you were talking about that. I lost my talking. fucking mind. I yeah. mean, it was the weirdest thing. For some reason, being hypnotized to stop smoking, it also like gathered uh, all these other things that I love to do and every kind of aspect of my personality that I would say is me and decided that those were dangerous as well. You can't do that anymore. In fact, you shouldn't live these two houses anymore. And you shouldn't hang out with these people anymore. And you shouldn't do art anymore. And you definitely shouldn't do music anymore. And you shouldn't, you don't know where you're supposed to live, but everywhere feels unsafe. Wow. You're very unsafe here. You're very unsafe. I mean, I started to become the most paranoid person. So paranoid 
tons of dark thoughts, never had dark thoughts in my life. I was so worried. I didn't know, and they weren't going away, and I started having like full-blown panic attacks where my heart was racing, and I was like feeling like I was going to faint, and my vision would like go all fucking sideways. And I was like, this is, my it's, the brain is so powerful, you know? It's so insane what it will do. It will just like completely take over the whole rest of your body, and, and you are just like, I, I just felt like a prisoner inside of my body. And, and you've um, never felt like that prior to this? Never. Wow. And so I, I didn't know what to do. The, my only fuck you after about six weeks was like, well, I'm going to start smoking again. I need control. I don't have any control. I have no control of my thoughts. I have no control of like what I'm doing at all times. And um, that didn't work, though. You know, it didn't work. Yeah. Smoking didn't work. I mean, I was... Like, I thought that would just, like, click the switch. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it didn't work. And although I'm still smoking, I I still didn't know what to do. And I started reading more and more about this, like, kind of hypnotizing going wrong, you know. And I met another person who'd done the same course as me who said, like, she went on this crazy rampage for six months. She was just, like sleeping with all these people, doing all these drugs, like try, like getting arrested, just like she was out of control. Wow. And she goes, yeah, my brain just didn't care what happened to me anymore. And I was like, that is exactly how I felt. I didn't care. Here I'm trying to do something positive because I care and I want to be healthier. Yeah. It flipped over to, it's totally fine if you get hit by a bus today. Who fucking cares? Drink all of this alcohol right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or this or that. Like It was just so extreme. It was like it did the polar opposite it should do. Um, I didn't care. That's and wild. That is so crazy because that is not who I am and that is not any way that I've ever felt about yeah. anything. I care a great deal, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what happened. One morning I woke up and I remembered this conversation that I'd had with David Lynch. A million years ago, he'd interviewed Jamie and I for something, and and he was telling us about TM and and I'd done a lot of events for his foundation, and um, I've always been interested in it, but like I don't know, it just like popped into my brain that I needed that I needed something that that was just me that had no other voices to it, like because I kept having this hypnotist voice in my head, even when we're talking like three months later, he was still talking. Oh, Jesus. It was messed up. And so I went I went to the TM course, and I took the course. And I, I, that was the first time, even before I learned how to do it, that I just felt like I had a sense of hope of changing or rewiring what had happened. I just wanted to be like myself again, like go back to however I was. That sounds terrifying. It was so scary. It was like mental illness. Yeah. I mean, it was like suddenly I was mentally ill. Yeah. Out of nowhere, like boom. Yeah. You know? And – uh. And I went and I learned it and I just could feel this like sensation in me of like regaining some control. I was doing something positive to get rid of this negative. And, and the more I did it, I would say like within a month of doing it, I, I felt so much more normal. I mean, even my friends were like, your eyes have changed. They're like, they look like your eyes again. My eyes were weird. Like every, the way I spoke was weird. I was really manic and I was walking around, I had a memory of what I used to talk like and be like and feel like or how I'd respond to stories or jokes or my friends or their problems. And I was literally, it was exhausting because I was mimicking this person 
that I thought that I used to be. I was trying to play her all of the time. And it was just so exhausting. I couldn't handle it anymore because yeah. right? I didn't feel that way. I didn't, you know, I couldn't focus in that way. And my brain was just like, my eyes were so weird. Everyone was like, it's kind of scary. It's like you've lost, you've like lost your mind. And, uh, so yeah, within a month I started getting comments from friends going like, you don't, you, you look better. Like you look, you look like yourself. You're actually like, your laugh doesn't sound fake. I mean, it was fucked up scary yeah, that is that's very scary that's a yeah terrifying, so anyway a I, I have that to thank for it so I don't think I'll ever stop doing it you know I mean I know that it's good for me I know that if it could get me out of that tunnel like it, maybe it'll protect me from going into any kind of tunnel like that again you know yeah it's like a checks and balances you know like maybe my mind is right on the edge and I didn't know it until that happened maybe yeah so I need to be, I need to be careful and I need to take care of it. You know, I can't yeah. let shit like that in. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you found something that like benefited you, benefits you like exponentially. Do you How feel, do you feel from doing it? I dig it. Um, see my, I, I struggle with depression and anxiety and recently with quarantine, I've noticed like my anxiety has been has become more physical as normally it's more mental so like I mm -hmm. get I get I can only describe it as like it feels like I want to jump out of my skin like it feels mm -hmm. like I cannot no longer be in my skin and that's like the only way that I know how to describe it and it's I hate it like it feels like a trapped like like a trapped feeling yeah. um and I I had tried like so many things to get out of it, whether it's like moving my body, Pilates, and that certainly helps, um, or just like resting, but like nothing, nothing has hit as hard in a positive way as meditating does. Um, yeah. and I don't know if it's that like, I need a routine cause I just don't have that in my life. I don't know if you have a routine at all, but like I don't like wake up at a certain time and like take the dog out and then go to work. Like I don't have that life. So mm -hmm. sometimes I think, I wonder if I would, if my brain would benefit from having a more of a routine. Um, but as for now, like TM has just been that routine that like I need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though it's not, it's not like a scheduled out thing. Like, do you do it at the same time every day? Cause I don't. I pretty much will right now. I mean, it's different depending on what I'm doing. Yeah. So if I was, you know, traveling, it would be different. I would always do it on a plane. I'd always, you know, like you just start fighting. It was great on a plane. Oh, it's the best. Um, but I, but yeah, right now my routine is I wake up, I drink a bunch of coffee, I watch Como press conference, then I will He's meditate. Great. Yeah. Then I'll meditate and then I'll eat lunch or breakfast or whatever lunch, you yeah. know, that's like probably at like two o'clock. And then... I will do, I will work, I'll study Spanish, I'll work some more, and then I will um, do Pilates, and then do some more work, just like half an hour, 45 minutes or something, then I'll do TM, then I'll make dinner, and then fucking game on, I'll work until four in the morning. Yeah. So it does like, it's just like, I always put it before meals, that helps me always remember to do it. And I, you know, like my teacher remember telling me like, don't do it right after you've eaten because your body's like digesting. You don't want to put your body to sleep. Yeah. You know, it's like eating a big meal and going to bed. You don't want to do that. Um, so I've always kept that in my mind. It's like, do it before 
and then and that always helps me because I'm definitely going to eat two times a day. There's no doubt. So I just always do it before. Do you do you feel like um how you were before the hip hypnosis episode or do you feel like has meditation given you anything that you didn't have prior to the meditation episode? I mean prior to the hip hip hypnosis. Yes, hypnosis. Yeah, episode. I think it's given me more uh, clarity of ideas for work. Mm. I think that's what it's given me. I still am in search of that person I was before I got hypnotized. I remember how I felt. I was like so, well, confident. I was so, yeah. I was in such good shape. I was like on a fucking roll with work. I was feeling so strong in myself, which is the thing that prompted me to want to quit smoking then anyway, which I I should have done entirely on my own because I probably wouldn't be a smoker right now. I had gotten myself down to like, you know, five cigarettes a day, which is like insane for me. And, um, and I was in the best physical shape probably of my life. And I was really happy. And then I took that plunge and I just lost all that work. I lost all of that work. And suddenly I was battling this whole thing that I never even knew was possible. And it had nothing to do with smoking. Now I was fighting for my life, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, how did that just go boom? And that was like one year ago. It was June, like June or July last year. So it's coming up being a year and I'm still not where I was. Like that shit set me back. And I've worked so hard to get back there, but like, um, you know, God knows how, how many years did I work to get to that place right. that I had been in. So I'm not giving myself a hard time. I'm just trying to go forward. Yeah. But I think with TMA, it saved me from that and put me back on a path to getting back to where I want to be. Yeah. But, um, but it's also given me so many ideas. Like, and I also think it's helped my patients with working things through because mm. I have a tendency to start a lot of things at the same time and, you know, me too. Not you know, see something through, but not another. It's like I almost need someone to be like, "It's due," and then I'll be like, "Okay." Yeah. If someone tells me something is due in like two months, I will do the entire thing tonight and finish it. But I just need that idea that it's going somewhere for a purpose, and that some. But if it's just me, I'll do ninety projects at the same time. I like, relate happily, happily. You know, um, so it's nice that it's kind of made me be able to do that for myself and. And I love the crazy shit that I think of when I'm meditating. I'm so into it. I'm like, whose brain is this brain? Cool. I love it in here. It's awesome. That's you. That's your brain. <laughs> like, really? Well, where is she right now? I got to go back in there to see her. What else, what else has helped you um, try to get back to your pre-hypnosis self other than meditation? Um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, just just going forward, just like doing all those things that I always did. I mean, I'm doing all those things I always did. It's more of a mental and physical thing where it's like I am actually doing those things and accomplishing those things, but I don't feel as good and as strong as I did where I was like, I could do fucking anything. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was a false positive. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I know I, I always try to find reasons for things, but I don't know they, that they get to rear their head as quickly as I'd like to see them. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that this brought me to TM because that's okay. going to be a lifelong practice now that I didn't have. And I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. You know, 
if I had to experience all that hell to have that bright idea, well, then, okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, one last question. What advice would you give to, like, maybe your younger, less confident self, a.k.a. me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know. That's the hardest question. (laughs) More specific. (laughs) Always have your passport on your person. Um, Oh, God. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think... I I think that understanding that we can't control so much and that we also can't imagine so much. Like you were saying about how to not take it personally when you don't get the job or whatever. It's like the shit that you don't see and that you don't know is that the people that you're looking at don't know either. And like... We're all, there's no one person that's just superior in this situation. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying and struggling to find the thing that they're looking for. And I don't know how we developed that strategy where it's just like us against them or them against us or, you know, they know better than I do. Imagine that they don't. And that changes it, you know, and you can, you can really push yourself a lot further once you know that. They don't know what the fuck either. It doesn't matter. You know, you need to make yourself happy with your work and you need to push yourself for yourself. And that's going to get you a thousand more places than whatever that job would have gotten you. I'm writing all this down. (laughs) 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 Using this pen like. Oh, I'm going to wear the t-shirt later. (laughs) 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 Uh, Quote, they don't fucking know either. (laughs) That's what's going on the shirt. (laughs) Okay, um, I'm going to read back Allison's list for confidence, and these are notes that I've been taking throughout this. Uh, Oh, no. uh, uh, Okay, great. Vulnerability, listen to others, failure, find something you love, persevere, new experiences, keep learning, protect yourself, patience, meditation, accept that we're not in control, they don't fucking know either. <laughs> and make make the work for yourself. This whole podcast would just be titled They Don't Fucking know They Don't know Fucking either. Know Either. I I love that and I might like use it as I don't know if do you have like anything you say or do before you go on stage? I do. I'm just wondering if you do. Um yeah, me and Jamie pace around a lot. We, we like kiss each other on the cheeks three times before we go on. It's kind of a ritual, yeah. you know. And it's like, oh, my God, if we stepped on the stage and we haven't done it yet, we're like, no, and we had to do it. You know, but it's like. Yeah. yeah. Having rituals. Thing. I think my I'm going to incorporate uh, they don't fucking know either into my <laughs> into my ritual before I go on stage. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, thanks. Thank you for chatting with me. You're welcome. Um, that was fun. I'm glad that our I'm glad our Internet ended up working out in the beginning it was yeah. a little shaky but then the universe was like all right i'll fix it for you <laughs> yeah. very kind of them thank you internet yeah thank you internet yeah. gods thanks for listening to this episode of how the fuck did you get so confident i'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence whether that's a mantra a routine maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through leave it in the review section Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.